We're working our way through uh, Psalms. Well, for a few of them anyway. Some of you were afraid that I was going to go for a couple of years here. You know, I'm, I'm glad there, uh, that we're family here. And so, but the fact that we didn't have any visitors, it's kind of sad. But uh, I want to just share something that is uh, family. About a year or so ago, and then I'm saying this because it's when I need to express love to my wife, right? She's supposed to give me chocolates here in Japan. <laughs> we were, uh, actually it was when I was working on my message in Genesis. <clears throat> and uh, the, uh, the Lord speaks to Adam and Eve when he had made them. Uh, she, out of, uh, he had formed Adam and then he uh, took a, a rib from the created, breathed into Adam, a rib from him, and made him a wife. And the words say three times in Scripture, for this reason a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So we were contemplating this, and, you know, after 50, almost well, three and a half, 53 and a half years together, we don't like to be apart. We just feel like we're stuck with each other. No, I mean that we're together. <laughs> and so we were standing there looking at each other and talking about this. And Katie said in her typical fashion, with a smile, I love you. And usually I respond, I love you too. But for some reason or other, it came into my head, which a lot of foolishness comes through my head, as you already know. <clears throat> but I said, I love us. I love what God has done in our life. I love us. And so I say on Valentine's Day to the MCC family. I love us. I really, we really do. We feel at home with all of you and we praise God for you, each one of you. We're going to celebrate. We're going to enjoy one another for eternity. You're stuck with me. <laughs> but that's the joy of being part of the body of Christ, of his kingdom. And the book of Psalms is so expressive of this fact, that we are the people of God. And so in working through these first few Psalms, that's what we read here in Psalm, chapter, uh, uh, Psalm 3, and this was written in a very difficult time in David's life. Very difficult. And in fact, in your Bible, probably says, a psalm of David, 
when he fled from Absalom, his son. Let's read it. O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord. And he answered me from his holy hill. Selah. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing beyond your people, Selah. Many people have asked, what is this word, Selah? What does it mean? What is the meaning of this word? What does it mean as it happens so periodically and quite often in the Psalms? And if you look at the commentaries, like I, I have tried to do, there isn't really an exact understanding of what part it played in the Psalms. But there are many Psalms that have that in it. And so they think it was a time for pausing and thinking about what was just recited in the poem or the psalm. Or others have said it's a musical interlude. Or it was a change-up. Uh, sometimes we use that uh, in music now called the bridge. I didn't know we had bridges in our songs, but there are bridges. And so this sila is kind of that way. And as I work my way through this message this morning, we want to get the feel of this, the sense of this, as we meditate on this psalm. And so I'm go I've asked um, Beth if she would be our Sela girl. <laughs> but I want to read some scripture ahead of this, just to set the tone so that we know exactly, or as exactly as we can, what David was facing and what he was going through. It's not a pretty story. It happens in 2 Samuel 11 to 19. That's chapters. So we're not going to read all of those. I'm just going to give you that information. You, you can read it at home. David was the king of Israel. For many years now. But he committed adultery. And not only that, in order to cover up his sin, he committed murder. And took as his wife the man from the man he had murdered. Nathan the prophet confronted David 
and his sin and said, you are the man who committed this. Nathan was powerful in his confrontation. And David realized that. And he confessed his sin and said, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan spoke forgiveness to David for his sin. But Nathan declared that because of David's sin, the sword would never depart from his house. There would be great trouble in David's kingdom. David's own son, Absalom, tried to take the kingdom from him. And we will read in 2 Samuel 15. And David went up, he was leaving Jerusalem, went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went. And his head was covered and he walked barefoot. Then all the people who were with him each covered his head and went up weeping as they went. There came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei. And he came, and as he came, he cursed continually, and he threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David and all the people and mighty men who were on the right hand and left side, a left hand of David. And Shimei said as he cursed, Get out, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. The Lord has avenged on you the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. See, your evil is on you. You are a man of blood. And Abishai, one of David's men, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and take off his head. But the king said, If he is cursing because the Lord has said to him, Curse David, who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to his servants, Behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. So David and his men went on the road well, Shimei went along on the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and flung dust at them. And the king and all the people who were with him arrived weary at the Jordan. First part of Psalm 3, I believe, is a showing of what David was going through with the accusations of his enemies 
And his own heart even turned on him. O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Selah. David is a a very, very interesting character in the Bible who portrays so much of what we as men and women face in our daily walk and our relationship with a God who knows us thoroughly. That's why I think Psalms have been so used of God in our lives and in the lives of many, many Christians prior to us to speak to us, yes, of the depravity of our hearts, but of his hope and his salvation for us. Christians are not perfect. David was not perfect. And this psalm is evidence of that. And reading in 2 Samuel, it is horrendous reading of that history of this man. But he loved God. He desired God. He desired to be in the house of the Lord. And that is what we studied in Genesis that God, in his love for mankind, never gave up. He could have wiped us out completely, including Adam and Eve, and none of us would be here. And that would have been the end of that story. But it wouldn't have been the glorious story of the redemption of God and who he is as a redeemer, as one who can redeem the lowest person and bring them into relationship regardless of what our sin may be. Whether it's adultery with someone else's wife or it's even murder. Those to us are hideous things. We would never do that. Oh, really? But what about the as Jesus said, if you saw, call someone, someone Baka, it's the same as killing him. That's our heart. We're at that place in our lives when reflecting on the word of God, it reflects back who we are. And the spirit of God uses that to speak of the redemption of Jesus Christ on the cross.
But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. My glory, the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Selah. Yes, David, in Psalm 27, 4 to 6, says, One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in the shelter of in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. You know, we face trials and troubles in our lives. And the promises of God, such as what we just read, of him being a shield to us, a filter, we're not exempt 100%. He allows that which comes to our heart of accusation to keep us in a place of humility to keep us in a place of dependence on him. But for us, he is our glory. And the glory is not, oh, I'm, I, I passed my exam at Todai. That's not a glory. I'm sorry. I admire anybody that could pass an exam at Todai or Harvard or Seattle Pacific. (laughs) Nobody knows that college. (laughs) But God's glory is our glory. What he did on the cross for us What he did on the cross for me, we can personalize. That is my glory. That is what makes me valued.
That is what makes me in a place that my head can be lifted up. And I can't, I don't, I'm not in the pits pushed down, depressed, in a dark place. But he lifts my head. He's the lifter of our heads. When we don't least expect it, he is the lifter of our heads. That's who he is by person. That is who he is by character. That's who he is as the maker of each one of us and knows us through and through, and yet he loves us. And he says, and I think it was the words of God, I love us. He loves his church. He loves his people. That's the nature of the God we serve. And he loves those who are without him. He loves Mamiko's dad. And we pray for this man. I think we showed you a picture of him a few months ago, singing, yes, Jesus loves me. Now that that would be in his heart, before he breathes his last breath, Lord, save him, we pray in Jesus' name. May he realize your kingdom come in his life. We face many trials from outside, and even we face our own times of self-condemnation, loss of joy or depression. We can sing about our salvation and state along with David, he answered me from his holy hill. We asked last week, where is that holy hill? What happened at that holy hill? What happened on Zion? The cross for us. He answers from his holy hill. And more than anything about Jerusalem is that Jesus Christ was crucified on that mountain for every man, woman, and child ever who ever lived and is living. He answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people.
Selah. Romans 8, 3, uh, 8, 35 to 39 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. What does that phrase mean, more than conquerors? I mean, a person that is a conqueror is a conqueror. They have accomplished something. But it says, you're more than conquerors. What did Paul mean by that statement? We didn't have to take up the sword. We didn't have to die for ourselves. We did not command the victory against the enemy. But we are partakers of it. We are benefiting from the conqueror's act on our behalf. That's what it means to be more than a conqueror. I didn't have to go and fight. And I don't have to fight against my enemy either. Yes, we have to, as I've said before, and as we read in Scripture, we stand in the armor that God has given us. And we let his salvation be enough for us. For all the temptation, for all of the persecution, for all that comes against us in our own hearts. What a Savior. What a Savior we have and enjoy as believers in Christ Jesus. There's something in this portion of the psalm that I'm going to share, but it's it's uh, it borders on uh, my own thoughts and speculation. I was trying to understand what it means when David says, "For you strike all my enemies on the cheek." You break the teeth of the wicked. And as I was looking at that, I, the internet is incredible, isn't it? As I was going through different commentaries, I ran across this one commentary that, that pointed to a book that was written in 1833. And so I type that title of that book into my computer 
And wouldn't you know it, um, I think it was Amazon has a copy of that book. And I read page after page through a thing called, what, well, can't you learn medical terms, but I, I didn't learn this one. Uh, it, it has something to do with blushing. You know what blushing is? Nihongo de nantio, blush to get red in your face. Hazakashi toki. Nantio. Akakunaru. Oh, so many tantan desu ne. Okay. To get red in your face. Okay. No, I wasn't going to demonstrate you, uh, <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> oh, yeah, I see a little bit of red. <laughs> Come in there. No, but you know what happens? That is a study that was made in 1833 and is still confirmed today to be an automatic thing that happens to those who are either ashamed or attention has been brought to them and they turn red. Akakunaru. And this commentator had pointed to that book in order to support the idea that when David says, you strike all my enemies on the cheek, he is really saying in poetic form, you bring them to shame. You embarrass them. I don't think I'll ever forget that in relation to this. And the other thing is, you, you break the teeth of the wicked. What happens to a lion if you take these two sharp teeth? Does everybody have those? I think Japanese have those too, don't they? These teeth, they're, they're really, uh, if you believe Darwin, they, they came from when we were wild animals. <laughs> Maybe uh, baboons. <laughs> I, we, I don't believe a thing of that. Those fangs on a lion are huge. And they rip and tear and they kill. And they can catch a deer running and grab them with those fangs and pull it down. What happens when those fangs are cut off or broken, the lion starves to death because he can't hold on to the, to the prey, the deer or whatever he took down. That's what God does for us through Jesus Christ. He takes the teeth out of the accusation that Satan comes to us and says, you are a sinner and you're not worth anything. The fangs are gone in Jesus Christ. He's taken the fangs out of Satan's teeth. 
so that he can't feed on us, that he can't take us down. Salvation belongs to the Lord. I would just like to close our message this morning. And if you would stand, I would like to say a benediction for all of us for this week. Some of you are going through some hard times of not only temptation, but also in depression or a sense of failure even when it's within yourself. That's natural by the fact that we are sinful beings. But God, through Jesus Christ, has provided for us perfect salvation. He's lifted our heads from being discouraged and brought down and looked into our face and said, I love you. By the fact that he hung his son on a cross for us to redeem us because God is a redeemer. Who shall separate us? We are more than conquerors. And then Paul goes on to say, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Arise, O Lord! Strike! You strike, not us! You strike our enemies. You break their teeth. Salvation belongs to you, O Lord. May your blessings be on your people. In Jesus' name, amen.